Hey everybody, this is Richard from the Metal Self Podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Dave and Dennis from Death the Leveler. Death the Leveler is in the house, man. This is great. I'm honored that you came on, lads. I've been a big fan of you. And you've got some history behind you as well in relation to a legacy of great music with Mail Morda and uh, Core Start. Yeah, we're in. We're doing this for longer than uh, we probably should be. Focus. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, thanks for having us on. Uh, this is fucking. This is great. We're we're honoured to be to be invited. To be quite honest, yeah. um, Given the 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 calibre of people who preceded us on this show, so yeah. Look, I mean, we have to tip the hat to the older lads like myself that have been on the scene for a long, long time and. It's um, it's important, man. It's important to to make sure this stuff is archived and recorded, and to talk to the likes of you. Because I mean, as I said, you've been at it a long time, and you know, as this as this interview goes along, I'm hoping we'll be able to kind of touch base with a few stories from the past and a uh, bit of crack as well. You might you might not want to hear some of the stories from the past, man. I've been I've been doing this since the '80s, so you know. <laughs> I've had Corey on, I've had Jason on, I've had Alan as well, so... Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> There's a good crew there anyway that have been on before you, so cheers, lads. Nice one, cheers. Yeah, it's not you. It's not you. Pleasure to do it. Mm. Now, I must say, when he supported Primordial in Limerick, I'd say it's from four, four weeks ago, four or five weeks ago, that was my first time seeing you. I missed G down in Cork. I think he played there, Dave, you were saying around 2017, 2018? It was early on. Yeah. It was one of our, was that only our second gig or so? Third gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus played. Christ. With um, Soothsayer played that night. Soothsayer and Pisek. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. yeah. And I was looking forward to seeing Soothsayer. They're a great band. And then I went off and got lost in Cork <laughs> and fucking missed them. And yeah. fucking got back. <laughs> yeah, and I know the way around Cork, but you know yourself when you have a few drinks and things, just you took a round tour. And of course, you were playing Freds, wasn't it? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Actually, that was a great fucking night, wasn't it? Jesus, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know the way Freds with a with a good crowd in. There's nothing like it. Just such a yeah. Fucking- Literally, the, the place we have video footage of the fucking floorboards, like literally fucking hopping up and down. Class, class. You know, like the place was, I fucking love that venue. I love that crowd, man. The place was literally fucking popping. Like, yeah, yeah, man. yeah. I mean, Dolan's is fantastic, but like the main stage in Dolan's, the sound off there is just unreal. And yeah. it was just uh, almost like a religious experience, just watching your sound just wash over everybody, man. And um, like, what did it feel for yourselves? Because, like, I mean, I know that you had a lot of stuff planned for 2020, gig-wise 2021, and so frustrating, obviously. But like to yeah. finally hit the floorboards in Limerick. Uh, it's unreal, man. Um, mm. So like I was saying, so our, I mean, the album launch date was... We should have seen this coming. It was Friday the 13th. <laughs> Friday the 13th of March 2020. You, are you serious? Yeah, and that, yeah, was, that was the day Leo Varadkar closed the fucking pubs. Closed fucking um, everything. Yeah. So, like, we were trying that week, we were trying our damnedest to hold on to the possibility of doing the launch gig, which was that Friday in the Grand Social. 
Um, and Dublin's then was the Saturday. And we are supposed to be in Limerick on Saturday in Dublin's. That was with um, Dread Sovereign. Okay. Um, and just, you could see as the week went on, the, the signs were not looking good. And then it was the order goes out, no, all pubs closed. So, but we had that. We had a uh, German dates with Argus booked. Oh my we, God. You're serious, yeah? We had some festivals in the summer. We had Hammer of Doom in Germany booked for the November. Um, so, yeah, it was a huge fucking blow because as, as I said, we hadn't been gigging for a year working on the album. Um, yeah. I'm building up to all that so yeah to come back around the fucking gig in Limerick the other week was just blowing all that away <laughs> you know getting back on stage it was um, it was awesome um, I mean I found it uh, I don't know I don't think we could have played much longer because I nearly fucking collapsed after the four really? songs we did play just yeah. with the the sheer kind of release of, of energy yeah. and Else's, yeah, uh, well, your analogy of a religious experience was quite good. It was like that for all of us, you know. Yeah. Like actually, the, the energy of it nearly fucking killed me. <laughs> um, like just for everybody, for I could I could actually literally feel it from the crowd. Mm. The minute we took the stage, it was yeah. like fucking. It was our first gig back in like it was three years since we played live, and. That's the longest I've ever gone without doing a gig. Even when I was in the wilderness, I'd still do a fucking gig here and there. You know yeah. what I mean? From from when we got there, you know, it was like weird. You're seeing people, you know, like people are coming in, like, you know, like individual members of Primordial coming along. We're coming along, you know, Kernsey and all coming in. And we're all kind of like, you know. Fucking Kernsey, Do we, do we shake yeah. hands? Do we fucking hug? Do we fucking, like, at this elbow yeah, fucking went, you know? Yeah. And we're all kind of and then as soon as after sound check, we all just got into the vibe of like, this is, this is it. We're back, lads, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then when you know, as soon as we walked out, and the, the, you could just feel it off the crowd. Everyone's great reception. Face, you know, it was literally like a fucking religious experience. Everyone's in that zone. It's yeah. like we're back. We're all back. It's not just the bands are back. The people are back. Yeah. The vibe is back. Everything. It was It was literally, it was one of the best, one of the most memorable fucking gigs I've ever played in my life. And later on that night, I mean, I, I thought actually Primordial were fucking incredible. They were fucking well. amazing. That and yeah. Just the atmosphere for Primordial was, I mean, I, I would I would say that I've there's a good chance I've seen Primordial live more than anybody else in Ireland because I've done I, I've done all their American tours and I've seen every show they've done in the States <laughs> and a, a good few around Europe as well so I'd say I'd be up there in terms of people who've seen from Ordeal um, the number of times and, and yeah. that Limerick was up there was one of the fucking best really? wow because of the crowds. Yeah. Um, it was a special night. It really, really was. Because of the, the response of the crowd, everyone was fucking dying for this gig to, to happen and, and to get to that. And to, I actually had to, I, I took a break from it because I was just, um, about halfway through from Ordeal set, I was like, there's too many fucking people here. I was having a little bit of a panic attack. Yeah. So. As well as that, lads, I'm quite sure you met plenty of heads there, fans that you haven't seen in fucking years. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was huge, like, just catching up with heads you haven't seen it for a long time. And the conversations, like, Jesus Christ, like, we literally had, like, two years stolen off us. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, yeah. 
Yeah, well, no, yeah, geez, thanks for that that description of it because uh, that's that's how it felt on the stage. So to hear that it went over that well, yeah, literally the opening chords, and it was just, oh, this is right, everything is back to normal, you know. And I just was watching e because obviously you know you were playing support to Primordi Blue. Like it's always great to to watch members of of the band and see if they're enjoying it or not. Like and Dave, like I know you were exhausted after, but man, you weren't even there. Like no more than Dennis wasn't even there. You were like floating above us. You could see how much it meant to you. Um, even just the way you were all looking at each other, even between the songs. Yeah, no, yeah, we were like. It was a long journey for you to get there, you know. Yeah, really, it means. I suppose that, like, it also means so much to you know to us as a group, like uh, to like that that justifies and fucking yeah. why we do this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this, this is like why we fucking drag ourselves out to a rehearsal studio once a week and fucking. But like, it's it's for those moments. Mm. So yeah, we're. I think those when you when you're on the stage and you can catch that moment in between songs or whatever, just to sort of you know look look around you, fucking make sure everyone's on the same page and everyone's fucking in, in that kind of zone. It's that's yeah, that's that's a special fucking thing. Like that's and that's why we do it. Yeah. So look, let's just get this out of the way in relation to how you got formed for people that are watching that might know too much about you and. And obviously, you can talk briefly about Mel Morda and, you know, how he met Dennis and we'll move on then. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's kind of, um, it's, it's funny because in some ways we, we still feel like we're a new band, even though we've been around for a long time, because all of us have like so much history with other bands and then missing out the fucking last two years of actually playing any gigs. Um, but like, I suppose just, I mean, long story short, like myself, Jer and Shane, uh, we're in um, order for, I mean, the, the period where the three of us were in the band um, spanned the all of the releases, you know, back to uh, back to Clean Tarov, uh, up until Down to Death. So the four albums that came out, that was, we were the, the core of the band with, uh, with Rob. Um, after, you know, after Down to Undead, I think, I don't think any of us were happy with the progress that we made. We felt that that band deserved to go further, maybe with that album. Um, I know we got a bit disillusioned and people had different ideas about where we wanted to be. Um, and the, his, the history of it is, yeah, Rob, Rob left the band. Um, we did keep the band going for a little while. Um, Stephen from Celticore oh, stepped right, in okay. on vocals and, um, you know, fair play to him. And um, he, he gave it his own his own spin but I think for the for the three of us myself and Jer and Shane you know we kind of realised that um, that the core of that band and the heart of that band was actually Rob I mean he founded the band back in I think 1998 like and you know um, it didn't make sense to keep going without without him yeah. as, as kind of the front man of the band and we, we also felt that musically I don't know we, we weren't in the same space we sort of felt we'd run we we run our course kind of with the folk metal sort of thing and the the, the Irish influences and and when we I think we took a little break from from music but the three of us came back together just jamming stuff again and it was much more sort of stripped down um, you know, kind of doom um, kind of playing with sort of light and shade and things like that but none of that sort of um, Irish influence or the folk sort of influence 
Um, the kind of Celtic history and the culture, it was just like done and dusted. Yeah, no, we weren't, yeah, we, we just w- w- wanted to kind of strip it right back to the, yeah. just the music that we were, and sort of the influence that we were all kind of coming from, which was very varied, like, but but coming back to that sort of doom thing, you know, from say typo negative across to like Anathema Paradise Lost, that sort of stuff, like, what, what really got us all interested in in the first place. But we always knew we wanted to be a band again. We were never interested in just writing music. And um, then by lucky um, happenstance, we had a bunch of music written and, and kind of looking to find a singer and we found this fella. And uh, <laughs> that's fucking... <laughs> the story tells itself. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, Dennis, <laughs> Cor Stark, man. Trash yeah. band. Yeah, um, early 90s. Well, the lads started in, I think, about 89. Um, and then, for some weird fucking reason, they decided that they wanted a frontman. Because I thought, like, I'd seen courses there a bunch of times. I've played with them. Other, other, sm- other smaller bands that I'd been in. And um, they decided they wanted the front man. I thought Marty was like fucking perfect. They were very much um, like, you know, the Metallica lineup, you know, Marty was playing guitar and singing for the first few demos. And uh, they wanted to expand and they fucking got me in. And we had, I think about three years of fucking tearing up and down Ireland. (laughs) Uh, We had a fucking great time, you know. Mm. But again, I don't even really know what happened like at the end of it. Um, in all honesty, because the nineties were the nineties, and anyone who anyone who was seriously into music back then, or was living a young person's or a student's life back then, knew what you know. The, I, I don't even remember half the fucking nineties. Yeah, you know, me, me and you too, brother. <laughs> and um, like, I don't really know what happened at the end of it. You know what I mean? Like, some people say I left. Some people say I, I fucking walked. Some people say I was fired. I don't know. The band don't even know themselves. You know, it's just one of those weird fucking yeah. anomaly things. You know, I'm proud of the history with the lads. I'm still mates with them. You know, occasionally, like, actually, strangely enough, <clears throat> there is a link. I could talk for about 10 minutes about it, but actually, I was doing uh, covers gigs with Marty. And then I was asked to do something else, but it was actually Marty who got me back playing. You know, got back into shape. Like, I wouldn't have been into shape to even audition for Death Deleveler if it wasn't for the gigs that I'd been doing with Marty, you know? Wow. Yeah. And then yeah, there's, all other, there's all other things um, involved. And there was a, a jam session um, for a covers band and Dave and Shane were the rhythm session for that. Oh, it just worked out weird that like I was singing, you know, we were doing like what kind we, of music was it like? I'm trying to picture your voice covering uh, what were we doing that night? We were doing a lot of a lot of um white snake and fucking <laughs> white snake and deep purple. Man. <laughs> yeah, bit of yeah. AC probably. Bit of AC Yeah. Um and, well, yeah, myself and Shane were sitting in on this session as as uh, to be the rhythm section in this, you know, putative covers band. And we came out of it going, Jesus, your man can fucking sing and we're looking for a singer. So, um, yeah, so a couple of days later, uh, I get a text from Shane and he was going, oh yeah, you know, would you, would you be interested in having to listen to, to our demo? And it was like, I was pretty much finished with original music, you know, like mm. 
like the, like the way the way you know everyone knows the way things are. It's too hard, and I felt I felt I don't know, you know. And I was and I was going, all right, send it on to me, you know. So uh, he sends he sends over this uh, this demo, um, and I had to listen to it, and it was like literally, it sounds like bollocks, but I was nearly crying listening to it. It was it was it, it, from the opening chords of what became fucking Men of Noble Blood. Uh, I was like, this is the fucking band I've been waiting for all my fucking life. You know, it's like the gods have reached out and said, right, you've, you've been through all of this over this fucking, you know, I wouldn't call it a career. It's been, you know, and it's like, yeah, boom, there you go. Now, you, you know, it's like, it's like, I know, it's impossible to fucking, it's impossible to put, put the feeling into words. Mm. And I was going, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, you know? And I was like, right, okay, well, write some lyrics and fucking come in and have a chat, you know? <laughs> and uh, I did, and, and that's, that's I mean, you the rest is fucking history. You might, I mean, you, you say the word audition, but I mean, we didn't, like, once we spoke to you, then yeah. we never thought about anybody else. That was the fucking band, and it has been ever since, you know? And, uh, if, what are the chances of that, though, like, happening? Realistically, like, I'm sure... Realistically, it doesn't... Oh, man, yeah, yeah. it doesn't fucking happen. It, it doesn't, doesn't happen. Yeah. No, completely. I mean, the, the first time I saw this fella, actually, was 94, Curse of Dirt supporting uh, Paradise Lost in the Tivoli, and I was a fucking Curse of Dirt fucking fan. From, I, I, I bought the fucking tape as you did in those days and it was in my Walkman for like six weeks until it fucking broke so you know, so it, you know it was nice to fucking finally like uh, get, get this get this group together and it's it's, it's really good like it's, it's a, it, we're a fucking great band I mean, yeah. not to be blown around Trump no no, like, no no the way we work together is what I mean is that like we know um, like myself and Jared Shane know each other very well as musicians for, for such a long time and then to have someone who could slot in so easily you know, and it just all kind of it all clicks. It clicks very well. So that's what I mean. Like that, where we 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 worked really, really really well together. Like it couldn't it couldn't you know couldn't have happened any other any other way. Dennis, were you into Doom? What were your experiences? Of heavy metal, you know, like you know, I'm old school man. You know what I mean? Like Black Sabbath are technically the first heavy metal band. You know, like you okay. can go with your Vanilla Forges and you can go with your The Kings fucking slashing their speakers and all. But technically, Doom is comes from Black Sabbath. All heavy metal comes from Black Sabbath. For me, like, we've gone too far into, like, genres and sub-genres and all the rest. Oh, yeah. I understand. Right? Yeah. I've, I've, I've been saying this for, like, almost 30 years to people that it's all just fucking rock and roll. You know what I mean? Some of it is, some of it is heavier and some of it is right, but it is what it is, you know? Uh, to me, Doom is the purest form of metal. Because mm. uh, you can go a lot of different places with it, you know. You can speed it up, you can slow it down, but it is it, it is pure metal, and I, my voice suits it. I've always been quite, I've always been more into it than than I have other forms of music, you know. Mm. That's that, that genre thing. I mean, that's something that we struggled with with my Morgan. It was that we were always too doom for the folk metal fans and too folk for the doom metal fans. And, uh, <laughs> you know, when you get into splitting hairs over genres, people yeah. could, never, yeah. could yeah. never decide what we were. And, and you just end up suffering then because uh, people get too kind of caught up on, oh, what is it? Is it folk doom? Is it doomed folk? Is it, I just go, fuck off. It's just fucking heavy metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, we take the piss now with genre, you know, like with, uh, when, we, when, we, yeah, when we were writing Death to Leveler 2, 
we, we come up with the idea that we, we call ourselves sexy gothic doom because we had so many, you know, you have people going, oh, they're an epic, you know, they're an epic gothic doom band or they're a fucking, you know, this, and we, we had blackened because there's a, you know, it's, it's like you have people saying four words before the most important word, which is metal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Jer- you know, so... <laughs> some, some, of the, some of the songs, Jer plays a bit of fucking... Tremolo picking as people go, oh, that's a black metal influence. They're they're black and doom. It's like it's just fucking tremolo guitar. Like, <laughs> like I mean, Venom were just Venom were a fucking heavy metal band in nineteen eighty two. You know what I mean? Like, I think realistically, a lot of people that were born, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties, they have to label everything. Whereas, yeah. you know, I was born in the seventies, man, and it's just like fucking metal. There's doom, there's trash. I can go to five or six genres and they'll cover everything for me. You look at Wikipedia now, there's like a hundred different fucking forms of metal. They've it all broken down into crazy. Yeah, and next week there'll be fucking 300. You know, like everybody wants to be special. Like, and that's fine to a degree, right? But when you're, when you're fucking sub-genreing and sub-sub-sub-genreing down into four and five word fucking descriptions of what you are. It's every, everyone wants to invent their own fucking genre. And it's like, no, it's just how the thing came about, like from doom to trash to black. It's just a descriptor of what, you know, what area of metal you're in. But back in the day, man, look, we all listened to Halloween and Slayer, right? You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, that's power metal. And Slayer is fucking trash metal, which became into fucking death metal. It's, look, if you like it, it, it's good music. You know what I mean? Don't be, don't be yeah. labeling yourself down into. Well, I think I just say like they're they're useful descriptors to help you f- find bands. You know, obviously it's useful, but like once you found a band, well then just don't label them. Just fucking listen to them. Like you know, that's <laughs> maybe that's too obvious. <laughs> yeah. The name itself obviously came from James Shirley. Um, it's a perfect description of the band and what to expect off he. Were you playing around with other names? We nearly went with a variation on that because we were a bit about the, the fact of it being like a poem, you know, named mm. directly for a poem. Yeah. We were a bit weird about that. And we, were, we, we, had actually, we had actually decided on the pale leveller. Oh, okay. Right, which is a little bit more, you know, it's just kind of like a bit weird and it's like Clint Eastwoody and mm. it's a little bit fucking, you know, all of these kind of very strange science fiction fucking horror kind of vibe. Yeah, you actually thought of The Pale in Dublin. That's what I said. Well, there you go. Yeah. And actually, yeah. when you think, it, and that would have been another combination, but I mean, what we have is a band name made up of two band names, Death and The Levelers. Yeah, that's why that's why we were that's why we were a bit iffy about it because yeah. it was like yes, uh, you know, and the levelers, and it was like, uh, but we but, just, yeah, we just kept coming back around to what why that struck us in the first place because it actually fit in so like the the themes in in the poem actually fit the concept, and not that we're a, no a concept driven yeah, yeah, band. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. To get back to the kind of well Morgan thing, that was mm. so we wanted to move away from the idea of a band that sort of concept driven like that was around you know Irish history culture etc but but just the sort of the idea that we had around the music and the lyrics actually were perfectly fucking summed up in that poem and in the title so we just kind of went well fuck it why not like um, like Dennis's vocal approaches it was a kind of a clear and a shared vision 
that kind of united G as such with the vocals as well, I thought, and it suited the material. So then as in relation to that side of it, were the lyrics important for that? How do you mean for it? That the leveler, it's about mortality. And I want to stay away from the whole concept thing, as Dave was saying, but did you feel inclined to base those lyrics around the idea of death and acceptance and moving on? I don't know. It's kind of the way I approach lyrics. I've done this for quite, quite some time, even before I joined the band. But like this band, fucking like the lads got it straight away is now this sounds weird, but most fucking lyricists, if they're honest with themselves, will fucking go, yeah, he's right. Um, I let the music tell me, the music speaks to you, right? Mm. And I let the music tell me what the fucking song is supposed to be about, okay. right? Uh, you know, like if you feel music, if you're a person who feels music, you know, you just fucking close your eyes and you just fucking, like actually listen to what the music is telling you, right? The music will give you your melodies, and the music, the vibe of the music, whether that's like, I'm not a trained musician. I don't know the difference between a fucking, you know, minor key or a fucking Nixolydian fucking scale, but it will fucking tell you the vibe that it wants. Yeah. Right. So the music tells you what to fucking write. All you have to do is be open to it. Okay. Right. Mm. And if there's a vibe coming across after music, then it's going to, there's going to be, an, there's an element of sadness in it. But there's also an element of triumph, you know? There's an element of fucking, like, yeah, we're all fucked. But there's also an element of defiance, you know? So uh, all of those things are in the music. So I'm just trying to pick them out and fucking, like, and um, what would be the right word? Um, just tie it all together, mm. you know? So it's not that they're, they're necessarily, like, I also, I'll be a little bit pretentious now, what? That the lyrics well, can you're, be. You're saying you're supposed to be. I'm supposed Stop. to be, yeah. <laughs> and then, fucking, uh, the, the lyrics can be read in more than one way. You know what I mean? If you're in a certain state of mind, you're going to read them and go, oh, well, that means this. Uh, but I like to leave them kind of a little bit vague, a little bit ambiguous, whereas you can actually fucking make your own meaning to this. There's no. There's no thing in my lyrics that was like, yes, well, in 1978, this happened, and then this, okay. and, there's that, and there's that. It's There's not nothing fucking straight. You know, I deliberately use language and words that are, um, that kind of bring you to another, like, you know, uh, you, you can interpret them your own way, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think that's very important with the kind of, especially the kind of music we're playing, that people can, can um, interpret this their own way, you know? Yeah. Well, like with you know, as as we've alluded to, we've been doing this a long time, and we're not like I, I think they have to be like the lyrics to our songs have to be something we can kind of you know stand behind and feel, and, and there's a realness to it. Like um, you know, I'm not the not to say there's anything wrong with writing songs about like you know fantasy topics and, and that like some of my favorite bands write about that stuff, but it wouldn't be for us. You know, it has to have an element of. Of, of being connected to our lived reality and experience and feelings, um, which people can take. I mean, we, we got a review from from the last album, I think on a German website. It was, a, you know, 
like two out of ten your man was like uh, oh I, I thought this was going to be epic doom and then the singer was like oh boohoo my girlfriend doesn't love me anymore and <laughs> you're missing the point fucker yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's no girlfriend there's no girlfriend songs are there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I haven't written a song about any of the girlfriends <laughs> Jesus Christ so what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a track off the first EP it's how to break Pernicious spells.
Okay, lads, how important was Michael Richards to this band? I know you worked with him with Mel Mord, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Jesus, I mean, we go back a long way with, mm. with Mick. Um, um, actually, I mean, Jer should be here because Jer, Jer could tell you the Jer was in college with Mick. No way. Um, and um, Kieran from, from Ordeal. Um, they were all in college together in Bolton Street back in the day. Wow. That's the um, class, man. To know that one of your own is still knocking it out of the park. That's the yeah, case, yeah, man. yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, I mean, with my Morg, we worked with Mick um, on the first, first two albums. Um, he did a few other bits and pieces for us along the way. And yeah, for Dr. Leveller, he was the obvious choice to go to. I mean, he's just, when you look at the work that he's done with Irish metal bands yeah. in the last, what, close to 20 years. I like, going to say 20, yeah. I mean, he's become kind of the go-to guy, like, for, for heavy music. But that's not in a... One, that can sound sort of, that it becomes very kind of cliched. Um, I mean, the great thing about Mick is that, like, he's so on top of his gear. Like, he's always looking to find new ways to record things, new sounds, um, try things out. So, uh, yeah, it was a it was a natural choice. And we, di- we did the demo. Um, so this was just when the first EP was instrumentals. We did that with Mick. And those are the tracks that, that Dennis then got. And then it was, yeah, made sense to, you know, to go back to Mick and re-record with yeah. vocals. And then, obviously, then the second album, yeah, we did that with Mick. Um, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to work with someone who just knows you so well and knows what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, Dennis, as, as vocalist, did you know Mick personally? Uh, I didn't know well, but, like, I mean, I did, I did, I worked at a gig that, like, I mean, Mick's been around a long time. Mick was in Duel's game, first fucking Irish death metal band. That's that right, did. Yeah. Minor, right? That's a long way back, man. Yeah. Uh, like, I worked fucking um, the door and security at one of their fucking gigs <laughs> in Charlie's in fucking 1992 or something like that. Jesus, um, Charlie's fucking yeah. hell. Yeah. Um, like, and that was an that was an Aiden Walsh gig and I was like fucking Walsh I was doing the door, I was doing security. <laughs> it was really fucking funny. Did you say Aiden Walsh as in yeah. Aiden Walsh the community games? Yeah, yeah, oh, but he also did. Fucking, he also did a metal fucking compilation album, like Primordial were on it. Um, well, were, were they Primordial at that time, or were they still called uh, Forsaken? Forsaken, yeah, yeah. Um, loads Jesus. of bands, man. Fucking um, the precursor to fucking um, Cruelcon was on it. Um, There's not Mr. many fucking people. That would know who Aiden Walsh is now. I'll just Aiden tell Walsh, you that. Aiden Walsh, the master of the universe. Aiden Walsh, master of the fucking universe, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He spent a, a lot of time man. down. Yeah, yeah, he spent a lot of time down in Cork with well, us. No, actually, the funny, <laughs> the funniest fucking thing about it was right. Like, <laughs> Aiden felt I wasn't earning my fucking uh, shitty fucking fifteen fucking euro a night for doing everything at the fucking gig oh. except sound. And fucking, uh, he was going, oh, Dennis, come up and stand there at the, at the fucking, uh, that crowd, they're going to knock over the fucking speakers. And I was going, like, at this time, everybody was on the no mosh thing, right? So, you know, yeah. everyone was like, just fucking standing there. 
And I had to go up and like pretend to be fucking holding a crowd pack, you know, just so this fucker will pay me the fucking shitty fucking money for the yeah, night. Yeah, my God. Like, how, yeah. could, how could we describe Aiden Walsh to people, lads? Look, Aiden, Aiden is a character. Like, this is the thing that people don't get about fucking Ireland is like that fucking people have grew up in a completely fucking different time. And um, we, I, I think everybody in their own way is a little bit like fucked up, right? Mm. Aiden just didn't give a fuck, and yeah. that's just fucking who he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I look, Aiden, Aiden got fucking famous in the 1980s, right? For and like he's not a very talented singer. He's not whatever, right? Yeah. Well, he went out and did it, right? And at the end of the day, I like look. It, there's a sense of humour about life and there's a sense of humour you know? for people that never came across them think of Napoleon Dynamite maybe I, yeah I think fucking you know I think yeah maybe maybe still, yeah I haven't seen him in the geez, in the good few years but you is would see alive? him I hope he is um, yeah, I think so yeah I heard he is yeah you, okay. you won't see him knocking around town up around say Christchurch and that um, wheeling, wheeling things around in a trolley um, yeah Yes. the big old cyber and still mad as fuck like and yeah I first met him doing gigs in um, I can't believe he was brought up in this podcast this is great in, in well actually it came from no everything in fucking metal is related to each other and it, it, it's actually we, we've, we've sidetracked from how long do you know Mick Richards and I was going oh, oh shit yeah let's get back to that let's get back <laughs> But he's one, of, he's one of those, like, he's kind of a Dublin character, like, because a lot of people you speak to would know him to see around the, around the streets, like, he's yeah. kind of from our generation, like, fucking yeah. Bang Bang or one of them, you know? He's yeah, like, he's you literally know? like fucking Bang Bang or something, you know? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, like, I mean, how, like, how can you have somebody who used to dress in a fucking Benny Hill safari suit regularly be somebody who was instrumental in fucking the rise of fucking death metal in Dublin, right? How the fuck? This could only this could only have happened at a certain time and a certain place in fucking the world, you know? Ah, uh, classic lads. This is brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. That's our homework now. Is check yeah. out if he's still alive. But anyway, yeah. right. anyway, enough enough on Aiden. Fucking, I hope I hope he's still alive. Yeah, yeah, We've yeah. had over the years because he's been a fucking shark shark and all the rest of it but fuck it I, I hope he's still alive right but anyway fucking uh, back to Mick um, yeah like fucking it was doing DTL one was the first time I ever worked with him Work, yeah. worked, worked with him because mm. I was I was out in the wilderness for donkey's years yeah and um, I have to say like fucking you know, I didn't do any recording in years and Mick got the best out of my voice that was kind of possible to get out of my voice at that particular time. What with not doing so much and, you know, you can hear it that it's not as good as it could be, but that's my bad or my fucking lack of fucking match fitness as such. But whatever, Mick got the absolute best out of my voice on DTL1 and then fucking I got the best out of my voice gigging and all the rest of it and there was a step up for DTL2 and Mick fucking went with that and fucking helped me in the book. I'm not good in the studio. I'm a live performer. Okay. And I've never been good in the studio, but I'm getting better. You know, it's, it's all experience. Mm. And 
I'm a live performer, but like, um, yeah, on both of them so far, he's really fucking helped me to fucking step up my game. He knows how to fucking work with a vocalist without fucking, without mollycoddling you. Because mm. there's no point in being fucking mollycoddled. As well, like when I do a vocalist, it, like the band are fucking on my ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you don't get mollycoddled, but you don't get fucking judged. It's like, here's what we need for this fucking track, you know? Mm. And it works. You know, Dave, I'll throw that back to you. Like doom is a very particular mood as musicians. You're in a studio. How hard is it to get those inner feelings out, to get those layers of emotion? The ideal situation for that would be, in my opinion, for a band like you would be in the middle of fucking nowhere in a countryside for like a week, lads. Away you go. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. And there's, there's like a, there's a thing about sort of the sterility of the studio and the fucking, you know, having to do multiple takes and 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 I, look, I think that's just where it, where it comes down to being prepared. I mean, that's in in twenty years of of, of recording music and, and putting albums out there. Um, you know what I've learned is 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 just to 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 go into the studio, you know, with 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 the work done. So you you know it's it's not going to be the same. You're not going to create, you know, a fucking atmospheric fucking vibe in, in the studio. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly not on the budget we record on. Like, okay. um, yeah. You know, we 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 we're not going to hire a fucking castle somewhere and spend six months recording <laughs> in the, the area. <laughs> yeah, like it's. So it, look, it's, it's it's just about I think going going in knowing what you're going to do, um, with you know certainly I'd say I mean again if Jerry was here he 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 talked to you about how um you know how recording one guitar line kind of speaks to another one so you might change tack halfway and go actually this or something that Dennis does vocally might trigger yeah. a different you know a different guitar melody that's kind of uh, branches off that because. That's something that we really try to do in our music is is that it's 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 four individual voices are contributing to kind of the the whole sort of narrative of the song, like okay. um, that it's it's not kind of written as music and then Dennis puts down mm. a vocal melody and the the, the instruments inter- interact with the voice and uh, it, it, you know it, it 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 is quite organic, but well, we try to have as much of that kind of mapped out before we go near yeah. the recording studio because yeah it is it is at the end of the day a kind of a sterile environment you know you're not people say this is where the magic happens that's bollocks <laughs> like no for me there is there is a level of magic that happens oh there know? is but i mean it's a testimony <laughs> to is a band that can go into a sterile environment and get that haunting cinematic soundscape that, that you have created through textures and layers for you, Dennis, sent to float above that. It takes the listener away and it does give the image of all of you in this remote area, be it, as I said, a castle in Bavaria. You certainly yeah. don't think you're fucking in a recording studio with headphones on. The, the influences, you know, the inspiration from it comes from our travels and our experiences and our gigging and like, you know, the yeah. Uh, I think apparently and, and hours spent, you know, sitting in Shane's shed, yeah, uh, drinking bottles of wine and fucking talking yeah. shit and like this, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you know, it's all informed by, you know, I could tell you, 
maybe if we have time later, after another couple of glasses of blood, <laughs> um, some of the stories from the road. But you get, we take that into the studio. You know, we take the weirdness of like, you know, fucking being in the fucking odd middle of nowhere fucking place, drunk or fucking whatever. And I'm glad that comes across. Like, thanks for that. That's a fucking compliment. The fact yeah. that it, it does come across. Yes. You know, that's the vibe that we have as a band. And like, I think we're very lucky that we're able to, to put it on record. But we're very you know? um, something you said there, like I, I watched your um, your session with Alan there uh, a while ago, and I actually thought the way he talk, was talking about primordial and the way they interact, just as as a bunch of guys, w- was very very interesting. Um, but sort of comparing that to ourselves, like we're, I think we are very close, like as a, as a band. Like I mean, I I kind of say to people, like I have. I have three brothers in, you know, in, 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 in real life, but I have three brothers in this band, like, where, uh, you know, we look out for one another, we're, um, we're, we're, we're close, we're mates, and I think that is actually the foundation of what happens when we go into the studio, because we're all on the same page, we, have a, we, we feed off what, what we're doing, like, and I, I think that's, that comes through, you know, and certainly I, that's, what I, that's what I feel we're, we're putting across. Yeah. I think there's something about the dynamic that we're a four-piece. Um, like, I've worked in fucking four-piece, five-piece, six-piece. I actually was in an eight-piece band once that never really did that, and it was just a, a science fucking thing, you know? Yeah. But, uh, being, having, like, a drummer, a bass player, a guitar player, and a vocalist, right? Yeah. And you don't, you don't yeah. step into each other's fucking, you don't shit on each other's fucking doorsteps. You know, you're not, mm. you're not in each other's territory. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, everyone has the freedom to do their fucking thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's literally like, that's, I'm, I'm exactly the same as Dave. I come from a family of four brothers, mm. you know, and you okay. all, are individuals and you do your thing. It's like the idea for me, it's the ideal fucking setup. Whereas you're not having two guitarists fucking bickering with each other. You know, you're not having like you're not, we don't have a guitar player who's also a fucking great singer who's gonna be fucking like telling me what to fucking do. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? But Dennis, I'll throw this then at you because the three lads have been together for so long as musicians yeah. and you coming in there as a vocalist and lyricist as well. For ye then, as a collective, probably not the first album, because I'd imagine probably a lot of the songs in the first album were wrote already by the lads, but certainly for the second album, there's a lot of uh, cohesiveness as a unit, more so than the first one. Would, yeah. would I be right in picking that vibe up? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because from... It like, takes time. Yeah, it took... It took time. You know, like, I love the first one. And even though it's like, Jesus, like, I can pick out my own faults. Or like, some of it, I'm going, oh, my God, you know, Jesus Christ, you know? But I was... We regard, uh, we regard DTL1 as our demo, you know. We, we were actually surprised and really happy when yeah, it came yeah, out on vinyl yeah. as well. But it was like, if you look at it as like our demo, you know, it right. was like the lads had this oh, music and fucking I came in and did my thing on it. In places, it really, really works. In places, it's really special. But in other places, for me, it's a little bit, oh, fuck, you know. But... Hmm. 
We have to mention... There was a beauty of it. And then with two, it was, like, we, we gigged together. We, we became a unit, like... Yeah. yeah. And there, there is, the, like, in every level, drums, guitars, bass, and vocals, we took a huge fucking step up because we gigged together. Like, for me, like, gigging and fucking being a band of brothers going out on the road, fucking, you know, holding each other's hair out of your puke, fucking all of this thing brings a fucking, you know, brings a fucking level of fucking, like, musicality. It brings a closeness to the musicality that you can feel into that wasn't there. On the, the other, I think the, the other track um, that I sent you, Richie, whatever you want to play, but I mean, the, the lyrics for that were actually a collaborative effort um, between myself Dan and Shane. Um, so, uh, you know, it kind of wasn't even just the music. It was pretty on that track. Like, the lyrical content is a, is a shared endeavour and, uh, yeah. and, and expresses something from all of us. Like, um, But, um, yeah, no, yeah. As you was mean, that something, Dave, that you didn't maybe have in Mel Morda? It's a different, it's a different, uh, different animal, you know. Um, yeah. Like, I think with Mel Morda... Um, you know, Rob was the singer, was the vocalist and, and lyricist. And um, that's, it kind of goes back to the idea of the concept. You know, I mean, he had very, very clear ideas of, of, of the concept of what the songs were about. So, yeah, for me, as kind of as a musician, this was a new, um, a new departure, like to kind of yeah. sit down with a, with, a, with a singer and go, let's, uh, let's actually, you know, explore it. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it was, it was it was in a very kind of sort of organic, not kind of forced way. It wasn't like let's sit down with a pen and paper and write a song. It was that's just no, it wasn't that it wasn't that know. way. It was like, we got a bit deep. If you, do you want to go a bit deeper? <laughs> um, Absolutely. We I were mean... all sitting around like the the concept came from like uh, the whole vibe of it came from like the fact that Dave had some poetry that related to how he felt about his mother's passing. So this is the song, So They May Face the Rising Sun. Yeah, okay. and Shane had some poetry and words that he had regarding his father's passing. Okay. And it was like, we sat, we literally sat around in Shane's fucking shed talking about, like, you know, like a family, talking about fucking, you know, things. And Dave gave me his poetry and it was like fucking beautiful. And so was Shane's. It was like really fucking beautiful, right? Now, only a couple of lines of each of those still exists in the finished thing. Mm. But like, it, it was a, an, it was an emotional effort, and a, a, a vibe. It's like. It's why we, even though in other songs I write all the lyrics, but we always credit all of the songs to Death the Leveler, right? It's yeah. like, because those lyrics wouldn't, none of it would exist without each person's individual mm. fucking yeah. uh, contribution, you know? Yeah. I don't get bands that like go, oh yeah, I wrote that song because I wrote the riff and I wrote the fucking words. Mm. It's like, no, it wouldn't sound, it wouldn't fucking yeah. sound like that. Without your drummer fucking hitting that groove, without your fucking bass player pounding that fucking, you know, it wouldn't. Not only are you singing, Dennis, from your own heart, you're actually incorporating the lads' feelings, their sense of loss as well. 
yeah. with, with lyrics they contributed for that song. Yeah, man. we went fucking deep. We went fucking deep with that man. That took a few fucking sessions of like yeah. we were all we were all in the fucking you know heavy yeah. place. You know, like yeah. I've had losses in my life as well mm-hmm. that yeah. I hadn't been able to express. And that song, fucking, it's like all of our fucking teams of people we'd lost, you know? Mm. Like, I was, like, again, I'd never expressed, like, my dad died 30 years ago and I'd never really expressed it. And as well as that, I'd lost uh, recently to that, like, you know, around that time, I had lost a very, very good friend, uh, Dahi McAvoy. Uh, he was one of the, the Courses Earth crew who came around all around Ireland with us back in the 90s, you know? Yeah. And that was a way, it's a way of expressing fucking loss of family and fucking close friends. And that it's for, it's for yeah. all of our losses, you know? Yeah. It's a song that says, like, you know, part, we're saluting you, we all, we, you'll always be with us. Part, you know? part of that is why, you know, why we do this as well like it is a form of catharsis for us you know in the band like it's a way to channel these these things that occur you know I mean yeah. I, I think a, a band kind of um, lyrically that maybe does something similar would be um, Woods of Ypres you know I think David Gold's like um, God rest him like I, I think he channeled a lot of his own personal feelings into his music and, and, that's, and that's something in the, in the doom genre I think is really um, I really value about it you know it's, it's, it's an opportunity to kind of uh, express those sort of things I'm talking bollocks now but yeah. <laughs> you know, not really no, no, no. no but we're not all about we're not all about death you know yeah. but, yeah. but look look th- those lyrics in a dream like days with these hands I dig your grave with every trust of the spade my feelings fade away there is less of me than before. That's yeah. that's, that's beautiful, man. Yeah. Um, I'm going to play it there.
So lads, here's one for you. And we referenced earlier, especially with the primordial gig, songs, how they evolve live in relation to audience reaction. Is there new material coming through that would be influenced, we'll say, in a live setting? How much does that play into your thoughts? Are you still working that out? So this this is something, first of all, that I, I, I have to get off my chest. It's a fucking thing that I feel very fucking strongly about is people who go to a gig and give out that it didn't sound like it did on the record uh, can just fuck off. Um, you know, you're, you're there to see a fucking band play live and we completely approach. You, you won't hear the record. And every gig is a little bit different. And we do, I mean, the, the songs from the first album, the first EP, like have actually evolved in their live iterations, have evolved quite a bit. Um, there's a whole new, you know, kind of ending to one of the songs that actually just evolved out of a jam in that gig in Fred's. Um, that's now become a staple of our set, like, because yeah. the crowd was feeding back and it just grew and grew, like, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, it, the, the live environment completely influences um, how we approach the songs and, and what we think. Because it's a conversation. Like The, the yeah. gig is a conversation between the band and the audience. Um, it was interesting playing the stuff from the, the new album, which you know is, is, is two years old, um, just because you, don't know, you, you never know until you, until you play an album live which songs are going to connect with the audience. Like, the, a band might think there's a fucking, there's a couple of absolute bangers on an album and they might go over quite flat and the audience might pick up on another one. You just, you just don't actually know until you start gigging the songs. Yeah. And then they, certainly in our case, we, we allow them to evolve and to kind of breathe in that space. Um, you know, even in terms of say tempos, you kind of slow down and, and speed up or you might, yeah, we might even go like, look, the next time we play that, we're going to drop two bars off that section because it just felt flat. Yeah, and, you know, you felt you carried the audience to a certain level, and then it mm. yeah. kind of dropped. And, and conversely, like fucking, sometimes you just look at each other. I'll throw, I'll often turn around and look at the lads and just go, "Oh no, this is working, man." Straight. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, you're, you're working off the energy of the audience all the time. You know, we're primarily a live band. You know, uh, like, yeah, we're getting, we're fucking, we're going up and up and up studio-wise, but like fucking primarily, that's because the only reason we're fucking progressing studio-wise is because we're progressing as a fucking live band. You know, we we fucking, (laughs) we have ears and we have fucking feeders out, you know. We, uh, if you're not, you know, if you're not enjoying it, or the, the crowd's not enjoying it, then you're doing something wrong. You know what I mean? Like we go out there and we enjoy the fuck out of it. And yeah. that comes that comes across. Like you can I think that's our I think that's our fucking secret weapon is that like we enjoy the fuck out of it. We love it. We know we're lucky to be doing it. I think you know? as as a musician, you can be sort of almost too tuned into that because you, you can be playing a great set. Like yeah. but if you if you if, if at some moment during the set you look up and you see one person turn their back and walk away, you know, to, to go to the bar or whatever. You kind of feel, ah, fuck, like that person didn't connect. Um, 
you're forgetting the other couple of hundred and you're so those are those kind of moments that you but that's what you're kind of watching it especially when you bring out a new song for the first time you're kind yeah. of like so that's that's my point like even with newer tracks are you kind of conscious the whole time of totally yeah okay okay yeah. cool because you want you, you want to keep that rapport going you want to um what's the you know, people talk about in terms of film, like the suspension of disbelief, or I talk about like you don't, from the start of your set to the end, you don't want to break the spell. Mm. You know, you don't, you don't want somebody to be looking at their phone going, oh God, is that the time already? Like, um, you, you want to keep them focused from yeah. beginning to end of your set. And if there's something in a song that's lagging or whatever, then yeah, you tweak mm. it for, for the next time out. It's a great idea. And I think for me again in Limerick, when he hit the stage that time, I wasn't conscious of anything that was going on behind me or around me or there was no need to get beer or like that. I was just completely absorbed in your set, you know, yeah. and and that's a band that fucking have a... Nice one. Thanks. That tailor. tells us we're doing our fucking job. Yes, like, very much oh, so. As a, front man, we... as a front man, you were engaging the crowd a lot, which is which is always great. Nice one, thanks. Yeah. yeah. For that, for that 40, yeah. 40, 50 minutes, an hour, whatever, you want to be fucking locked in and, and in dialogue. Too and many it, times you're at the gigs, Dave, and you, off, you often see it. You see the glow of someone else's phone. You see some people fucking talking over the music. Lads are in yeah. and out of the bar. For that, man, it was just like suspended yeah. fucking animation. It was just like... It's, it's, not, it's not the audience's fault necessarily. Like a lot of the time a band loses your attention or whatever. Um, but that's... That's what we aim to do, certainly, mm. is, to, is to, you know, keep that fucking... And you see Alan as well with Primordial. They're so good at what they fucking do. Once they hit the stage, everybody is just interacting with the band. They're immersed in the whole situation. That's what you have to be fucking doing. Like, I mean, come here, you know, you're into this fucking as long as we are, right? Yeah. You know the fucking crack, right? Mm. Music is a fucking transcendental experience. I don't like that word, etc. but, you know... You go to a gig for a fucking reason, right? Yeah. You want to be taken out of yourself. You yeah. literally like want to be taken. I'm going to use a certain kind of kind of words, but you want to be taken out of the reality you're living in, right? Mm. And into a, a kind of in between fucking world. That's what gigs do. When yeah. I first start going to see like fucking Aussie and fucking all these bands back in the fucking day, right? It it brought you to another place, you know. Yeah. Uh, Fields of Nephilim do that very, yeah. very well. You know, they oh, literally do, yeah. bring, you into, a, literally bring you into a magical fucking ritual, you know? Mm. That's what we want from our fucking gigs. It's like, we want, this is an experience that we're all having together. Yeah. And if you weren't fucking there, you're not going to get it. And I'm fucking glad you, I'm fucking so happy you really fucking get that, man. You yeah. know? But I think young bands don't go to enough gigs and watch other older bands, we'd say. Like, you've earned your chops, man, years ago. No, we, we always did that. Like, I mean, back in yeah. my... When I was a fucking kid, like, I started off playing in fucking trash bands, man. But we used to go... It, it, again, it's time is just, like, you know, things have, have changed. But we used to go, and we'd hear about older fucking blues guys, and we'd go on a Thursday night, and we'd go and see some fucking guy in Slattery's who's been playing guitar for 30 fucking years. Slattery's or JJ's or something. Or JJ's or something like that, you know? Absolutely. 
like, like because it was like because that motherfucker was a great guitar player and he's been playing for thirty five fucking years. Go and learn your fucking shit, man. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, we'd go and see older metal bands who weren't, you know, we, we'd see glam rock bands and fucking power metal bands and stuff. They weren't doing what we were doing, but we were learning our fucking shit from the guys who, it was like, we considered it a fucking trade, man. Yeah, We considered Absolutely. it a trade and it was like, no, this guy is a master at his fucking part of this and we're going to go, we're going to watch this and we're going to fucking learn Mm. You know, and that's often a thing that's completely lost on the scene. Like I've gone to literally thousands of gigs, you know, and you look at the younger bands coming through and sometimes they're just fucking lost out there, you know, and and they'd bring their own friends and their own fans trying to fucking understand the concept of the dynamic between the audience and the band. What works, what doesn't work. It's a kind of insular scene, which is a shame. Yeah, yeah. I, like I think some of that has to do, and this, I mean, um, we talked about you know the metal art form and stuff back in the day. A while ago, I used to always remember um, there'd be younger fellas, you know, guys and girls that are posting on that. A gig comes up and go, "Can I go to that?" Is it eighteens? And I think a problem in this country is that most uh, most gigs are in licensed premises and people under 18 can't get in and then maybe they drift away you know they're getting into the music 15 16 and they can't go to any gigs because there's nothing that they're actually allowed to fucking get into yeah and um, i see that say with the cg limerick you see, you see um younger kids posting on go and i know i think it was possible you know when john was doing the the free it was a few tickets you know that it, it, it's an 18s plus venue and, and that's just a fucking that's part of being in Ireland. Like there are other countries where there are, it's much more accessible to have younger generations get access to, to live music. Um, yeah. so I've seen quite a lot of people over the years kind of go, can I go to this? Can I go to that? No, you can't. And then they lose interest because they can't get into a fucking gig. Yeah. But look, do you know what? It never affected America with their over 21s and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? I don't know. It's not even that. Like, I mean, like... Uh, Jumping back to that thing of like certain people, like we, when I was a kid, there was also a fucking thing of like fucking doing your own thing. Uh, now things are different. We have the internet, we have whatever. And everyone who's like, look, if you're fucking anywhere between 14 and fucking 22, uh, you want to be you and you want to be your generation, and you want to be whatever, and you will, there's a very, very fucking healthy thing of saying, like, fuck you to, like, what went before. That can be very, very healthy, you know? Uh, it, it can be like, oh, I don't give a fuck what some fucking uh, dude in his fucking 40s did back in 1990 fucking eight. It's like, that can be healthy, you know? You can't be... Like, I see so many fucking bands that are hampered by legends of the past saying we're never going to be as good as fucking Tim Dizzy or we're never going to be as good as this. So there's a, there, is a, there is an argument for not really giving too much of a fuck what older people do. There really is, you know. Mm. Uh, it's how punk started. It's how fucking trash started. It's how a lot of things started. But once you're, once you're deep in it, once you get at least a year, two years, maybe three years into it, you do need to be fucking looking around and going, well, how the fuck can I improve? 
Yeah. And it's like, well, you do improve by looking at somebody who's been doing shit a lot longer than you have. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Anyway, look, the main message is go to as many gigs. Go to as, as many possible. fucking gigs as you fucking can. Have as good a time as you fucking can. You know? But by the way, that, that applies to fucking uh, old farts as well. Like, we can't fucking sit in our laurels either. Like, and, you know, I think it behoves us to fucking get out and. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not going to mention names, but I did drag certain people to fucking Primordial and uh, the Leveller uh, that normally wouldn't go. But I can tell you now, they had the best time ever. I went, holy shit, this was such <laughs> such a fucking experience. I mean, and, I, I took part, and I don't know if you, if you know the um, the, what was it called, the Ash Irie project, the All Ireland. Yeah, Mal, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I, I I did a I did a couple of tracks on that, but um. I was, I was, I did, actually, I knew nothing about it. I was roped into it by the brother. Um, he's a drummer, and he was involved in a few things. And I did a track with um, Julia from Red Sun Alert in Cork. Yes, did the vocals on it, and like that kind of thing is fucking brilliant. Like because that just, wasn't uh, Morrigan, is it or something? No, um, and now I can't remember the fucking name of the song. <laughs> was but, it in the third one or the second one? It's on the third one, I think. Okay, so that's not out yet. Yeah, 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 it'll be coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was something like the, 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 for me, from my fucking musical background, it was completely left field. It's kind of a fucking rage against the machine sort of. A I know the song. I can't song. think of it offhand, but um, yeah, it's excellent. Well, I think that sort of thing is like, you know, that's, that's that kind of project, bringing fucking younger bands and older bands and everyone together making music was, was, was great. Yeah, pretty unusual. That, something like that now, Dave, will be acknowledged and given credit far more a few years down the line. I hope so, yeah, because people, I mean, um, I, as I, I played a small part of that, but like some people put a yeah. tremendous amount of work into yeah. that. And there's, some, there's some fucking great songs. I think there's some some new bands have been formed out of that, which is uh, been, yeah. it's, great. It's great. <laughs> I love that about collaborations, man. It, there's not enough of it. So how did uh, Cruz Del Sor come into reckoning with that the leveller? He came and said I was live and he just wanted us, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Again, so like we, we don't have Shane here tonight. He'd be your man to because he, he knows the inside track on that. But I mean, as, as far as... So we mentioned, I mean, going back to the first EP, I mean, we, we put out... First of all, we put out a call to Men and Noble Blood as a single and that picked up a lot of attention. And um, we were... Surprising the kind of graphite just how, how well that, that went down. And a lot of people um kind of within the scene um you know picked up on it. Rich Walker from Solstice um ah, cool. <laughs> plugged it. Um Tom Phillips from Wild Heaven Wept. And it, and and when we put the EP out, we put that out ourselves, you know, um but it was picked up by Martin from Journey's End Records in Germany. He wanted to do the vinyl and that grew the whole reach of the thing because I mean Journey's End is kind of uh, you know Martin only releases what he's passionate about like it's a niche yeah. it's a niche label like, yeah, it's, a, um, it's a boutique label but it's like if he fucking wants you um, on vinyl it's an, it's an honour because yeah. he has good taste in music yeah. you know? so mm-hmm. that got the first one out there and got, got the kind got the name out and then um, uh, yeah Enrico um, had seen us Enrico was in Vienna I think yeah yeah. you had a conversation with the rest of you isn't there I was too pissed to fucking talk <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so we played a doom over Vienna 
um, which was uh, it's it's an underground gig, but it's it's a it's a it's kind of a staple of the European doom circuit, like uh, um, a great great fucking festival. Enrico was there with the label. He's he's seen us play. We had a chat afterwards. Um, he did say to us that we were kind of an unusual band for the label because a lot of what they go for is more traditional doom meets kind of traditional heavy metal sort of stuff. Okay. Um, but I just think he was such a fan of the live show um, yeah. that okay. he kind of, he wanted us on board. And funnily enough, at the same time we were, we were talking to Enrico and um, Tom Phillips from while heaven wept in the States had come on board as he, he's, he's Cruz del Sur's rep in the U S he wanted to sign us at the same time. So he, Tom got in touch with me going, um, would that the level be interested in coming on board with Cruz del Sur? And I said to him, well, funnily enough, your boss is, <laughs> is already having that conversation with us. So that was, you know, that was kind of gratifying because I mean, Tom is, uh, you know, Tom is someone within the, 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 the doom metal, traditional heavy metal scene that I would have fucking, for you know yeah. through okay. wept he was also involved with solstice a number of other projects like so to get like to get that kind of recognition from from people that you respect as peers in the scene is is, mm. is absolutely um massive um but yeah that's that's where the conversation started with with enrico and, and cruz and um i have to say having been around the block with record labels um they're so easy to deal with the expectations are laid out from day one um it's a it's a it's a it's a project of passion for the yeah. guys in the label you know they are fans mm. first and foremost like they're not yeah. they're, you, hear, they're not, you hear so many nightmare stories there don't just particularly with irish heavy metal bands yeah i think a lot of irish bands have uh Bad of, of um, and certainly, you know, we 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 felt that with Melmorgan, like that. That's a, you know, kind of the closer we got to fucking what we thought was some level of fucking, you know, the heights. It was actually actually the situation was 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 disintegrating. Like, I mean, we 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 put our last album out with candlelight, you know, but at the same time, they were. I think Emperor were, were on the comeback trail and uh, all their money and efforts went into mm. Emperor. Yeah. And Abaddon Emperor. suffered the same fucking deal as well, didn't they? Yeah. And everything else was just forgotten about and yeah. no promotion. And, and, and But, uh, you know, with Enrico, it's... it's, it's um, A guy I, that's passionate about his he's fucking music. Exactly. I mean, sure, like, you know, as he said himself, we're not an exact fit for the label, but, you know, he saw us live and he wanted us on the fucking label. So. Like, what, you, what you've got there is the fucking passion of Italians. Italians are so passionate. Yeah. And then you've, yeah, got, yeah. you've got the melancholy then of the Irish. Yeah. It's literally the perfect fucking mix. Oh, it's a marathon in heaven, you know. And there's some amazing bands on that, on that label. Like, I mean, they're... In terms of what of, of what they can pick and what they what they bring forward, like um, I mean, Smolder, a great fucking band. Um, Wheel, I love Wheel. Wheel, as you mentioned earlier, a Rod Ruin coming back now. You know, an old school doom band. Like, um, no, it's a it's a great place to be. We're yeah. we're, we're fucking delighted to be there. Yeah. yeah. So, lads, before we end, I want a funny tour story of each one of you. Shit. 
Dennis, this isn't being monitored though by the PMRC. This is going so. out on the internet, man. You'll have you'll have some fucking you'll have some fucking woke gobshite going like fucking ooh, this was really bad that you got drunk and said this to this person <laughs> and fucking you know. Okay, fuck it, fair you enough. Know, uh, okay, what? So what? What can, what can we do? I don't know, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like when things happen to you, and you know, go, that was funny in the moment, and then you kind of go, oh, nobody else wants to hear that fucking nonsense about the time we got fucking pissed in in, in X, Y, or Z. Um, I mean, like we've had. Well, one story I, I do want to want to tell. <laughs> well, you you think of something funny, but this yeah, this one on. isn't this one isn't a funny one, but this no, is. No. Uh, this is uh, so when we played at a, a Dutch Doom Days um, in Rotterdam a couple of years ago. Uh, this just this is more about how how fucking sound the fucking Doom scene is. That uh, it was the weekend that um, Shane's father passed away, and it was touch and go whether Shane would even make the fucking gig. And uh, the three of us were there. Um, like he was, we were put. He was literally, literally pushing flights out. Like I'll be here tonight. Yeah. I'll be here in the middle of the night. I'll be here in the morning. And we were all like, "Yeah, no bother. It's all good. Whatever." You know, we didn't even know whether we'd be able to play the fucking gig or not. Okay. Well, as, as as it fucking turned out, in the hail hunt, he couldn't fucking he couldn't travel. It was just too touch and go. Because yeah. his dad with, died with the night dad. before he was meant to play the fucking gig. Yeah. So. But we we were ready to fucking pull the gig, but the venue and the fucking promoters. Um, this is Pim from uh, Fisium Trist runs runs Dutch Doom Days. Were adamant that the fucking show goes ahead, and to get back to Mick Richards, uh, <laughs> Mick pulled it out of the bag because we got onto him fucking in the middle of the night, going any chance you can get into the studio and burn us MP3s of the drum tracks. What? And we yeah. will we will just play. You know, Sisters of Mercy style. Sisters of Mercy fucking style. Yeah, Doctor Octopus fucking style, right? So we pulled, we pulled from the from DTL one. Yeah. We also let you. We got Mick to Mick. Up, we got Mick up at fucking six o'clock in the fucking morning. So I said, and and he fucking did it for us because he mixed an old school fucking gigging metal fucking head from gigging back, that's, it, it rolls back to what I was saying earlier on, from gigging back in the fucking day, he fucking knows the fucking crack, and he fucking got up at some stupid fucking hour in the morning, isolated the fucking drum tracks, and sent them to the fucking engineer in fucking yeah. Holland, right? So oh, we were able no. to fucking do the gig, and God. we felt that Shane, because these are Shane's tracks, we didn't replace Shane, we fucking, we got what Shane played on our fucking demo fucking through the fucking sound system and we did a fucking three-piece Sisters of Mercy fucking style fucking show with, yeah oh yeah and uh, they they just buried the drum kit in dry ice so that no one yeah. knows there was no <laughs> yeah but um, I don't know funny no, we were that's a classic you're joking me that's brilliant we, we fucking 100% squared it with the audience we said yeah look this is the story this is what's happening and fucking, this is why we're doing this. This is a Mersey style. It's know? a story I thought was funny. I don't know. Um, we, 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 we supported Primordial on, on a couple of shows on their last tour. 
in uh, in Germany in um, where were we in Bochum and Bochum and, 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 and Hamburg oh man the Hamburg was German, the German oh, audience is uh, you were on the uh, you have a follow on story we were on the train up to from, from Dusseldorf up to Hamburg now this is the thing I never fucking came across apparently hen nights in Germany <laughs> the hen is supposed to go out and um, symbolically raise money to spend on her hen night by now, and I see where you're going, Richie, but no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> By selling like trinkets and crap. So we're sitting on the train, um, hung over from the night before. As and this young, this young one comes down with the fucking basket around her neck. Um, <laughs> she's trying to raise money to spend on her hen eyes. And, and everybody, this is a this is a commuter train. People <laughs> going to work because it's like we, we had to fucking six hour train up to fucking Hamburg and we had to get on it early and um everyone's like no no fuck off no 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 I'm you know I'm I'm very German reading the newspaper and on my on my laptop and everything else. Yeah you are some drunk girl dressed in some strange clothing selling me some shit fuck off leave me alone. <laughs> they, they get up to me and then we're like oh here what's the story here now and, and they've got fucking first of all loads of little bottles of schnapps. Um, so we're like, we have all of those. You want to give us alcohol? Yeah, how much is it? Not one or two fucking euros. I mean, yeah, no worries. Uh, <laughs> well, here, give us all that. And then there's like loads of fucking uh, Johnnies and stuff. So we're like, right, we'll have them. Right. Um, which all of those ended up in that water way. balloons. They have water balloons. No. Everyone, well, some lucky people who bought either at the level or vinyl or a CD that night <laughs> bought a fucking free Johnny thrown in. So, at the level or supports uh, safe sex. <laughs> but, uh, ah, that's fucking. Yeah. Awesome. I don't use condoms, so he just gives them away. <laughs> I, think the, I think the end of Hamburg is as bad as rock and roll as we get so far. <laughs> Well, you didn't make the fucking flight. Back. Oh, and I didn't make the flight. Oh, yeah, and I disappeared, and fucking everyone was shouting like, oh. "Fucking frontman!" He's not this thing about fucking disappearing. It's just that I'm not a fucking social media guy, and I'm not a fucking keeping in touch guy. It's like uh, the end of Hamburg was. I was elected as the representative of the band to go out on the end of tour. Fucking piss up, as such. And self-elected. Self, I was just going to say, how well, you did not come out get that honor? And <laughs> uh, fucking uh, Jer, Jer had already got a plane back. Jer was busy. Jer, Jer was doing other stuff. Uh, uh, did he have another gig, or did he fucking well, Jer had to work or something? So, so Jer, because Jer had just done. Jer was playing second guitar for primordial okay. so he just done the entire tour. So uh, yeah, he was getting yeah. fucked back to work the next day or something. Uh, Dave wasn't able to come, and because he was already fucking locked, because uh, it was, it was. Uh, <laughs> come here, you know the story with Germany. You know the story with backstage. You know the crack, right? There was massive amounts of alcohol, and ah, uh, actually, yeah, we were playing with what's the I can't pronounce the band. Which I'm sorry to them because they're fucking a great bunch of guys. Uh, they're they're in uh, on Fry Heights something wherever. Oh, Alan oh, mentioned them in the last yeah, in the podcast with you. Oh right? yeah, I never heard of them either. Yeah, yeah they, they're kind fucking, of a mathematical fucking band. Absolutely fucking sound bunch right, of lads. Absolutely fucking sound guys. And the right, and Moonsorrow guys as well. Right, 
top guys as but well. fucking uh, so oh, we were sharing there was like they're, there's they're, a big fucking they're, they're dressing very, room they're very iron fry hides yes yeah. okay they're very iron yeah there is this. freedom but like fucking uh, there was a big L-shaped fucking dressing room scenario in um, in the Hamburg venue um, and we our beer fridge was beside their beer fridge right and they come to us with this deal that uh, they don't drink they're all fucking straight edge guys and they wanted our soft drinks in exchange for their fucking um, alcoholic drinks right that we were all giving for free anyway Jesus. and it was like ah oh, yes well we are not going to we are all straight edge guys we, we, don't, we don't want to drink this alcohol so can we have your oil juice and your fucking mineral water and we will give you all this with whiskey and fucking beer and we were like that's not even a question so that was the that was the that was the one of the contrib- contributing factors to you missing the flight, no? No, that was only the start of it. Oh, because uh, then, then, uh, like, yeah. So Dave was fucking locked. He went back to the hotel room. Jared already got a flight home to go to work. Mm. Um, Shane was with his wife, and he was knackered, fucking tired, man. You know, gigging is fucking tiring, whatever. Uh, and so it was like. There was one moment where there was just me and Shane in the fucking dressing room. I was going, all right, yeah. And I was going, okay, so who else is going out on the end of the tour party? It was like fucking about Mick from our Shane. band. It's only fucking you. And then Mick from Primordial went out <laughs> and a couple of others. And then there was a bunch of others from, from Germany. And then there was the tour manager and a few others. and few fans and... No, no, there wasn't fans, fans. It's all inner circle. Like okay. there's, the, there's circle. fans and inner circle. You know, there's inner circle fans, people who are, yeah. you know, yeah. in as such, you know. I'm not being fucking... No, I'm no, not, I understand. Not being, I understand. It's just like, you know, yeah. people that were there. Um, don't want to mention any fucking names and shit like that, but yeah, it got pretty wild. And... Uh, it, Wound up going to the fucking fish market in in Hamburg. If you've ever been there, no, you should. Okay. It's fucking wild. It opens at six o'clock in the morning, and it's used to be a fish market. It's not anymore. It's everything, but the fish market itself is like a massive gig that starts at six a.m. Right? Okay. And at one end of the fucking hall is like a band playing Queen covers and 80s covers. They'll play for about 40 minutes. Oh, and then yeah. at the other end of the hall, another band will start doing other covers and stuff like that. And here I was thinking it was a red light district. Okay, so it's a music. <laughs> Dude, I don't need to be sexist. <laughs> <laughs> Prostitution and shit, man. Fucking, you know, I don't have fuck all. I don't have any, I don't have whatever, but like I'm in a band, so, you know. Uh, I don't do, no, I so don't. So you were in the fish market anyway. Oh, well, we were there, and then it just turns around that it's like fucking, you know, I have an hour to get to the, the airport. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I better go. Like fucking, it's like, you know, I have to, I have to get to the airport and fucking, like, I have a flight in an hour. And then some very, very sensible German says, like, Yes, you have to. Well, it will take you, even if you get the taxi now, it will still take you 45 minutes to get to the airport. And so doors on your plane will be closed, Dennis. And so I'm like, ah, okay, right. And it's like, well, why don't you come to fucking Dortmund with us and hang out for a few days? And it's like, 
So I'm after being, what you like, a bitch and, and a fucking throw a party. It's like, well, fuck this, okay, right? <laughs> Why not, you know? You went to Dortmund instead? Yeah, well, Come on, man. This is quite not. Yeah, so, 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 so we're in the airport. I get a taxi going, lad, I'm not going to make this flight. Then the next yeah, thing. All I get back is laugh emojis from the band. <laughs> <laughs> next thing, we're back in Ireland. Just send them a taxi. Are you, are you still alive? I'm in Dortmund. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I got from fucking within, I don't know, like I, I went to sleep kind of weirdly in the Hamburg, wound up in a car and woke up in Dortmund. Brilliant. But, you know, yeah. Come here, this is rock and roll, you know. It's fucking rock and roll, Dennis, man. You you live it. Yeah. Oh no, you live it. Look, and that informs everything. You know what I mean? The fucking the passion, the amount like people say about fucking like, oh man, fucking you're so passionate. I've been passionate about this since nineteen eighty fucking six, man. And fucking I live it, you know? It's not like okay, everything has changed and all the rest of it, but you have to actually fucking translate that passion into the modern age. You do things the way you fucking do that. Dennis, you know? may I suggest that you translate it across in a live venue? Mm-hmm. That's not fair. You, <laughs> it's there, man. This is a guy that fucking... We live this. He lives it, man. He lives it. You know? Yeah. 100%. And that's a, a key part of any band. If your front man can bring the crowd along in this fucking amazing journey for 45 minutes, just elevates everybody along with the band up to a certain level. And it doesn't matter about all the fucking problems in the world. They're just gone. You're just focusing on this band and they're fucking playing their music. Um, and lads, you do such a great job in that. I salute you. Speaking of front oh, men, you get that, man. Speaking of front men, Richie, and, b- and before we sign off, I, mm-hmm. I have to fucking... We have to say a word about um, a good friend of ours, Luce. Um, Luce V, he was a singer from uh, Hooded Priest and King Heavy, passed away. Oh, no, man, I didn't. Last week, did you? Oh, fuck, Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. Um, anyone who doesn't know fucking uh, King Heavy or fucking Hooded Priest as fucking Doom bands, you know, check them out. Uh, Luce was a fucking giant of the fucking European doom scene and uh, this was 100% fucking metal I just literally fucking found out now that he's out of fucking time this was fucking 100% man he was like lived it he fucking was he fucking lived it he fucking did it through the fucking times where nobody fucking wanted to know about fucking people dressing up and fucking playing fucking this music he fucking did it and he didn't give a fuck. And, and he was a hundred, he always gave a hundred fucking percent. And he was a huge influence on loads of fucking people. Well, and he fucking, he helped me up my fucking game when I fucking played with him. He fucking uh, advised me and fucking like uh, helped me through a fucking hard time in my fucking life when I was adjusting to. You know, when you're adjusting to being off the fucking road and then going yeah. back on the fucking road, and you know, was like, Luce was, yeah. was a fucking dude who fucking put his arm around me and fucking was like, yeah, well, this man, fucking, you know, this is the life we live and fucking this is how you fucking do it. Let's, you know? let's dedicate this episode to him. <clears throat> dedicate, oh, man, man, to, to lose okay. feet, man. To lose. Fucking one of the man. greatest that fucking ever, fucking ever, ever strolled a fucking stage, man. Yeah. Lads, Hooded Priest, 
King Heavy fucking check them out, spin yeah. them on fucking rotation. What a fucking singer. Yeah. Okay, lads. That's that's Dave. Thanks for acknowledging him, man. It's important to do that. Very important. Listen, lads, I'm gonna pack it up. Uh you've been listening to Death the Level or Dave and Dennis. Absolutely honor to finally talk to you on the show and great to have oh, you. Thank you, man. Honor to do it, man. Okay. And crucially, support your local medicine. That's a fucking music. Yeah. Okay.